Hey, and good morning. It is February 23rd, 2022. We missed the two two twos by one day. Ah, gosh. Did you it. wear your tutu yesterday, Tommy? I, I did not. It was at the dry cleaners. Oh, no. You, this only comes around, you know, once in a gazillion years. So opportunity lost. The next thing we can care about is January 23rd, 2045. One, two, three, four, five. Ah, got it. It's the best I could do. <laughs> Live Broadcasting around the Beltway and beyond, it's Tommy and Kelly made in D.C. on the Real Fun D.C. channel and on demand anytime, anywhere you get your podcasts. But it is a National Banana Bread Day today on February 23rd, so we got that going for us. Oh, that sounds so good right now. Um, speaking of delicious things happening, the wharf is about to get more scrumptious. It's just incredible. The Wharf is going through their next phase of development, and we're learning about all these restaurants that are opening up, and it's just amazing. And Eater broke that Gordon Ramsay is going to open up Hell's Kitchen. Like, and it's, it's a huge space. Uh, it is going to be, um, I believe, over 10,000 square feet. Wow. Uh, it's a two-story building, and this is the first Hell's Kitchen uh, on the East Coast. There's, a, of course, the one in Vegas that's at Caesars. I believe there's one in San Diego. Uh, so this is kind of exciting that he's um, gracing us with his presence. And of course, the Beef Wellington. Have you ever had his Beef Wellington? That's like his famous no, dish. No, I haven't. That's like going to be the dish and that's going to be on the menu. So Very something nice. to look forward to. It doesn't open up until the fall. I'm sure we'll see him bopping around town as they get closer to the opening. Yeah, if I were Gordon Ramsay, I would definitely make a stop at the uh, DC Central Kitchen Capital Food Fight, which tickets are on sale for now. I'm just saying it's all. If I'm Gordon Ramsay and I want to become like a part of the community, more on the Central Kitchen uh, Food Fight in just a little bit. But That would be a good stop for him. I mean, there are celebrity chefs there. Yeah, I'm not his agent, but if I were his agent, I would tell him like, hey, Gordo, get your get your butt to the wharf. Mm, it's in in your PR. new neighborhood. <laughs> That's right. Like right down the street. Also exciting also, news in the art world, right? Yeah. Also really cool. Uh, Picasso is coming back to D.C. He's going to the Phillips collection. Now, of course, I'm referring to his artwork. Um, there has not been a Picasso uh, exhibit like like this one, like very comprehensive, in 25 years in D.C. Wow. Uh, so it's, it's going to be his um, quote unquote. I'm reading this because I am not an art person, <laughs> but I do enjoy it. His blue period which was very on in his uh, career as a young teenager and uh, in his, going into his 20s. So that starts February 26th, and it goes through June 12th. As you might imagine, there's ticketed, uh, ticketed time ticketed spots. We here in D.C. know that those kind of go very quickly. That mm -hmm. museum is, is – I love the Phillips. It's so, and I have not been since the pandemic. So this is a great excuse to go and, and enjoy that uh, very small collection right outside of DuPont. But you're hearing it from us on the 23rd before it gets to be too widely known. Get your spots now. <laughs> Just saying is all. If you're listening to this episode, like months after we published it, you know what? Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. You should have got here sooner. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and this is Kelly, like the actual Picasso paintings, not some art projection situation that we've been having come through town a lot, right? Correct. This is the actual paintings. And then there's some supporting work of, of, things that he was inspired by during that period. Um, but yeah, it's not an interactive experience that you're going to have be projected on the walls. And, you know, there's a lot of pushback with museums to get 
a little bit more creative because you're having these experiences come through and then mm -hmm. the museums are like, hey, what about us? We have the actual artwork here. But I want it to be lit up, museum. I don't understand. <laughs> I know. You guys ruin everything. <laughs> Listen, we want to take some selfies, all right? That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, Steve uh, is commenting and said he's been to the Gordon Ramsay spot in Vegas and he can't wait for it to come to D.C. Well worth it. That's and uh, yeah. That that's an experience. It's almost like I'm thinking about doing a Vegas trip soon. Like that will be on my list. A little recon mission. I appreciate yes. that. Yes, yes. And Pam is going to make some banana bread today. So appreciate you getting involved. There you go. Don't you need really mushy bananas to be in, like? I think so. Yeah, you can't just decide today's banana bread day. You got to rot those suckers way in advance. Yeah. Yep. Unless you're like me, like the fruit bowl that I have here at the house normally has something that's almost about to rot in it. So I feel like maybe <laughs> Pam is one. like constantly at like potential banana bread could happen any day now mode. Sure. Uh, in just a few minutes, we got to talk about um, the commanders trying to command the calendar and uh, some Alexandria art that made its way into Netflix's most popular show. But I want to introduce you, Kelly, to Omnium Circus. So it is a uh, bold new circus, as they're calling themselves, a Capital One Hall this weekend. It's all sold out except for one show still on Saturday at 2 o'clock. And it brings a cast together like you've never seen before. These performers of all abilities, all bodies, and it just brings like a true sense of joy. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, I hope you can hear it. But also, um, if you're watching the video feed too, just the the visuals and the performers in this circus are incredible. So check it out. And I want to get your thoughts on the other side. You are going to see a fantastic performance. We've got a gorgeous aerialist and she is a phenomenal silk artist. Um, she happened to be born without legs, an amazing Diablo act. Noemi does a contortion act where she's actually going to shoot a bow and arrow with her feet upside down. It's wild. Calling themselves a bold new circus, Omnium hopes to bring incredible acts of all abilities. Hi, my name's Anna Gitchen. I'm a poet, I'm a deaf woman, I am a dancer, a performer, and Omnium is on a mission to spread joy, and we're doing that. I dance with some fans, I tumble in in the opening act, and incorporate signs as well. How did you get involved in the show? through a fantastic recommendation by our interpreter, Brandon, as well. She said your name, I gotta bring you in. Exactly what Anna said, you know, I did notice that she is an amazing acrobat and an awesome dancer and anything that involves sign language, I have my hands on. Um, <laughs> the circus mission is to spread joy. And we do that, but we do it in a way where everybody can join in. I was looking for the best performers in an array of aerial and ground. And I wanted to show that no matter who you are, no matter what body you're in, love it. Be, be the best you you can be. The pandemic gave us the opportunity to become a reality, but I've been thinking it and dreaming it for a very long time. How did the pandemic give you the opportunity to be a reality? You hear such terrible stories of things going away in the pandemic. I know, right? But it did because it gave us the opportunity to say, wow, 
okay, so now we're here, we're blocked, but what could we do? And what do we want this world to look like? And what I really wanted to do is make sure that we are a living, breathing example of the beauty of what that can look like when we truly appreciate each other. It was so cool to get to meet the crew from Omnium Circus. They were just awesome to chat with. Wow. That's, I mean, and it's also nice to hear like a silver lining of the pandemic. Another example of that. Very cool. Yeah. When she was like, it was good. I was like, it was what now? Hang on a second. (laughs) (laughs) Show your work, please (laughs) explain your answer. (laughs) And so, yeah, they're going to be uh, performing a bunch of shows on over the weekend at Capital One Hall, but then there's one left for tickets on Saturday. And then it goes to New York for a run. And then they're hoping to go across the country anywhere they can spread joy and, um, accessibility so super cool to see that being born right here in dc that's very cool and uh shout out to our best buddies pal eric and his mom gina they're the ones who told me about the circus like months and months and months ago they've been so excited about it that's very 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 neat to see that um all right let's talk about the team that just can't get it right (laughs) it it just it is just like a comedy of errors i i just don't understand the commanders commanding the calendar so they put out their team crest which has like the years of greatness on it, which 1991 was the last year of greatness on it, but they put the wrong dates on it. And of course fans freaked out and they basically had to uh, release a Twitter apology saying, we heard you going forward. Our crest will reflect our Super Bowl victories using the year from that regular season. So the Super Bowl always happens the calendar year after the regular season starts so the crest said that they won in 83, 88, and 92. But it was the regular season of 82, 87, and 1991. Okay. A couple things uh, with your commentary there, Tommy. I got it because I'm now a Bills fan because my husband's from Buffalo. And if you know anything about um, the Buffalo Bills, they're just a tortured team. They just could never win. So they've never won a championship. So I'll take even though it's been since 91 that they've won the championships. I'll, I'll take that. Okay. Okay. So let's not give them a hard time for that. 10, 20, 30 years ago. The bills have never won. That's true. Never. Ever. I guess it's better to love than lost. Is that what you're saying? They never (laughs) championship at all. Something, something, something. Better to have Lombardied and lost than never to have Lombardied at all. (laughs) And then the commanders just, why can't they, I gotta believe they have a, a, very high payroll of people doing a lot of things. And I know it's hard with the name change marketing and getting everything right, but like they're not a struggling organization, right? Like have a powwow, hire the best of the best and get it right. Did the team have a crest with the Washington football team logo? I'm sure they did. Like I would assume it would just be a copy paste situation. (laughs) Like, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so, a very good point. I mean, I find them. I'm blaming one of the agencies who pre- I'm like, it's not us. It was one of the marketing people who did it from far away. <laughs> not us. Boo. No, not us. Oh, gosh. It's just, it's fun to, and you, you know, and they know that they're going to be so open to criticism when that survey came out that like half of people don't even like the name of the team. Yep. Like, so just like double, double, triple, quadruple check your work. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the Washington Post did that poll, right? Like they sent a poll out into the field that actually figured out. Right. So just it's kind of fun to watch. I mean, it's it's good fodder. I mean, we probably wouldn't be talking about them otherwise. I do feel exactly that. Like 
it is kind of a like we can make fun of them kind of thing. But if other people make fun of them, we're like, hey, we're rebuilding. Damn it, you leave us alone. So I know. I like. I, I think it is a thing that like kind of like. I was gonna say Metro, but everyone can make fun of Metro. But right, it's like one of those things that like we as Washingtonians can make fun of our team, but you can't make fun of our team. Yes. Yes. And you're right. It does provide great fodder. And it almost is like the Arrested Development theme plays in the background sometimes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I can't wait to see what they do next. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you're an artist in um, Alexandria and you have a show in New York and your stuff gets bought years and years ago. And you're like, that's cool. Someone says about Netflix, maybe Shonda Rhimes. I don't know. And then your art ends up in the number one show on Netflix, which is inventing Anna, which is about this um, New York magazine article from a couple of years back about this fake socialite who defrauded the art world and hotels and all kinds of people for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So Lori Katz is a local artist. She has a spot in the torpedo factory from Springfield, Virginia. DCist has the story about this where she um, sold some stuff in New York. And then over the weekend or two weeks ago, her phone and her email and her Facebooks are blowing up as her friends are like, Hey, isn't that your art on the set of the show? And it was. That's awesome. Yeah. So she's got some pieces in um, Laverne Cox's um, apartment on the show and then not to give it anything away, but like in episode six, um, the character Anna has like a huge meltdown and is like ugly crying and like snot out the nose. And her art is on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what a great spot. <laughs> that's that's really cool. And I'm glad that like someone realized it, but it, it is kind of sad that like she didn't know beforehand. Yeah, so she knew that it was bought by by Shondaland, and then she knew that it was going to be on the set of like a Netflix project. Oh my, that's even wasn't... worse because then you'd be like looking at all of her shows and all because she has so many shows, all of the episodes. Yeah, and she said it was. She told DCS that it was like delayed for years because they didn't know when it was coming out. They didn't know when it was going to get shot. All of the things, but um, I think you nailed it, Kelly. Inventing Anna, it moves slow. Um, I had a lot of time on my hands one weekend, so I've been like sort of into it, but it's not a. It's not a fast-paced uh, show by any means. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't get the hubs into it. I'm, I'm right now. I'm trying to decide whether I watched Euphoria. Or, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm two episodes in. And I'm mm-hmm. just so disturbed by so many things. So, um, that that's <laughs> having teenagers is probably part of the problem. Um, but yeah. Oh, Euphoria. Yeah, I'm. I'm caught up on Euphoria. That you show. Like my un, my my not yet born children are already grounded because of Euphoria. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can swing it. It's it's some tough stuff. So yes. then you can watch this, you know? Like Yeah. The odds the have. odds of one of your kids becoming a fraudster who defrauds art and hotels and New York socialites for hundreds of thousands of dollars probably slim. That, that, pro- pro- probably. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Also, um, another fun DC tied to uh, inventing Anna, DCS reported. So um, the woman who plays uh, the, the like concierge uh, is actually based on a woman from DC who was an aspiring filmmaker and a concierge in New York. Um, Nefita- Nefitari Davis uh, is the real life person. And Nef is the character on inventing Anna, but she's from DC. I appreciate the DCS doing their work and, and getting those ties. Yeah, they nailed it. So that's really cool. So check that out. If you don't want to watch Euphoria, maybe it's not your speed. We're into, um, we're all caught up and totally into Gilded Age. 
it moves slow, but it's good. Yeah. It's really good. Okay. The costumes are awesome. And it, like Chris, my husband had it on the first time. And I like, I walked in the room and I was like, what is the, Oh, Christine Baranski. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. And one of the ladies from sex in the city is in it too. Which one? Cynthia Nixon. Okay. She's the one who ran for governor, right? Yes. Yeah. She's in it. Cool. Basically like half of Broadway's in it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take you. We'll take you. We'll take totally. you. Come on. <laughs> what are you doing? You're not doing anything. You're free. Let's go. Come on. It, <laughs> but it's, it's really good. It's also very, very good. And we hope you can join us, Kelly. It's coming back. It's in person. It's at the Anthem. I am so excited for this. I, I can't, can't believe it's because it's usually in the fall. They moved it because I really wanted to make it a party like it always mm -hmm. is. Or, of course, talking about the Capital Food Fight. Yeah, from DC Central Kitchen. So it's back. And you can join Tom Colicchio, Andrew Zimmer, and Spike Mendelson, and more at the Anthem. Like we said, it's going to be Thursday, April 7th. It's one of our absolute favorite events from the entire year. DC's best battling chefs go head to head on the stage while we all eat and drink and be merry and enjoy favorite restaurants. Tickets have just gone on sale. They're on sale now. Remember, it is for a charity, it benefits the DC Central Kitchen, capitalfoodfight.org. Don't miss DC's baddest night of doing good, benefiting the work of DC Central Kitchen. And we'll see you at the Capital Food Fight. I'm so pumped about it. I'm already like thinking about what I'm gonna wear. Yes, and we're gonna be emceeing and, and having a great time um, on stage and off stage and eating and drinking. It's gonna be great. Um, but I will tell you one of my most favorite um, moments was, I guess the most recent one was in 2019. Mm -hmm. The um, Jose Andres was there and uh, this is sort of his his brainchild and he's always been very active in it. And um, and Ryan Zimmerman had served as a judge and he had done it for a couple of years prior to that. And uh, it was right after they won the World Series. Mm -hmm. And like, I think a week or yeah, two. Yeah, it was like very soon after. Yeah, very soon after. And it was so much fun. So maybe, I'm just saying, like, Ryan Zimmerman mm -hmm. retired. You know, maybe he'll bring back, you know, some of his friends. He brought Davey Martinez to the last one. Who knows? Yeah. That's the thing about the food fight. Like, you never know who's going to show up. And that's what's so yeah. cool about it. And they're amazing auction, too. Oh, yeah. I never even get to do the auction because I'm on stage the whole time. So I need to, like, do an early loop around the auction. Or this, like do it on the internet or something. And I'm so glad that we're, we did it virtually. What was that? Was it 2020? It was 2020. Yeah. yeah. October, yeah. November is 2020. And it just was not the same. No. We tried. We tried yes. really hard. Yes. But this Jeff, is going to be great. Riss was the judge and Ryan Zimmerman and Chef Eric Ajapong. And we had a great time. We had a good time with it. And people watched it and had a good time. But yeah, there's nothing like the live, the live audience and the screaming and the fun and the noise yep. it's like such a noisy room but it's like such an awesomely noisy room it's great yeah Cannot so capitalfoodfight.org get your tickets i think they're going to sell out pretty quickly because the tickets are um they're doing less tickets than they would normally do for the event so we want to make sure that you know about it and then you get a chance to get them at capitalfoodfight.org and we'll see you there plus more of our past shows my goodness you thought inventing anna was slow you should hear some of our first episodes <laughs> <laughs> just kidding they're all five star worthy and by the way you should give us five stars even if you feel we don't deserve it on this national banana bread day <laughs> we'll see you next time